Team Canada. You need this man on your team. This is the Outside Gate with Steve Hall on the L4 Media Network, talking US moto and anywhere the conversation goes. Today we're joined by Jeff Klassen from GP Moto. There he is. How are you, man? Hey, I'm great. How you doing, Steve? Yeah, good, man. Thanks for joining us. Um, so GP Moto, dude, I think we'll dive straight in and just you, you give yourself a bit of an intro about uh, you and your business. Hmm. Um, well, it started out, I think, like every other kid who uh, dreamed and aspired of riding dirt bikes. And uh, my first job when I was 14 was in a, a dirt bike shop and uh it just kind of spiraled from there i when you turn 16 you get super interested in cars and trucks right you get your driver's license so the the love for dirt bikes waned a little bit but uh as you get older you get back into bikes and uh i don't know i bounced back and forth from the automotive as an automotive tech uh got my, did my apprenticeship and and uh worked back and forth between some bike shops and automotive shops and then back then motorcycle tax weren't getting paid very much at all so it's pretty tough to you know you could make 80 grand a year in a car dealership or make i don't know 30 or 40 grand a year as a motorcycle mechanic so you kind of i figured the only way that i would ever do it and make some money is if i did it by myself and so that is where gp moto came from 2009. beautiful man beautiful yeah. and gp moto is based in um so british columbia yeah, West Coast of Canada. Right. You betcha. Yeah. And yeah. city called Kamloops. So we're about three and a half, four hours northeast of Vancouver. So cool, man. And I know you post you post uh bits and pieces all over the place. I know um you definitely post some bits and pieces to California because you just sent some down to well uh, Toolman Dan for the oh, Green yeah. Honda. Yeah, yeah so yeah how far do you ship and and that sort of thing how, how wide is your customer base uh my customer base is pretty local i do have some customers on the east coast of canada about four thousand kilometers away uh i got a few guys through like main event moto and through podcasts that we have this population of riders in i've i've made connections with guys who have got some suspension work done for me so i've sold them some stuff and then uh I get guys like TMD and you and I don't know, all over the world that I just want to send stuff to. So every now and then I do up a package and ship it out and yeah. That's the way. And man, like I said, like, like my uh, opening words, Team Canada needs you, huh? They got to get you on. <laughs> oh my goodness. You, I, reckon, I reckon that the motocross of nations could have been completely different if GP Moto had been involved. Yeah, I don't you know, know. They've got to get you. They've got to. They've got to hire you, as uh, like suspension tech and fucking chief of, chief of morale, and uh, <laughs> all that sort of thing. <laughs> I don't know what the answer is there. That was. Uh, I mean, could you imagine if USA? Well, even let's back it up. So, let's say Australia sent Jet and Hunter and Chad Reed in his prime. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you have the best three guys in Australia. Your expectation would be a podium, realistically. Like, we can do this. This is a total realistic outcome. Yeah. And if they don't even make the B final, you're a little upset, right? So yeah. we got Jess Pettis, Dylan Wright, 
and Ryder McNabb. And these guys are all like championship title winning guys. There's yeah. no excuses. This is the best Canada has to offer. I'm sorry. Like I love Jess the, best Pettis. Team, the best team that was ever sent by Canada. Like, I mean, I don't know about ever, but Dylan's four time 450 champ. Jess is two or three time second behind Dylan. And in my opinion, he just hasn't had a really healthy season to give Dylan a run for his money. They're there. I put them on equal caliber and Ryder McNabb's young and he's, you know, was arguable. I think last year they sent Jacob Piccolo instead, but Jacob Piccolo or Ryder McNabb are both phenomenal lights riders. So in my opinion, these guys are like top 10 guys. Like a realistic outcome in the A final would be somewhere in the six to eight position is real. And they didn't even make the B final. Like it was, I don't yeah, know. Even, At some even point, with my, even with my limited knowledge of Canadian moto, you know, like uh, all I really know of it, I guess, is um, I've listened to a few times the guys that, that, that get on pulp, you know, um, Ryan and Goldie. Goldie, Goldie and, and, and Noof. They seem like, a good good cats those two and they come on and and talk about it and then um obviously yeah i know dylan wright but he had an undefeated season last year i think and then only lost one race this year or something like that mm -hmm. does that sound right yeah 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 goldie and new for good couple of cunts <laughs> uh, yeah they're... which is which one of the which one of them got absolutely fucking smashed at at the Red Bud Nations on the day that pit bike race. That was probably Goldie. That was a funny story. That that was an absolute classic hearing about that. Yeah. He, one Neither of them, one of them are afraid of beer. Yeah, one of them was supposed to race the pit bike race. Yeah, you know, the the pit bike race that um Bidas organizes. Yep. And he he was too fucking drunk. He, he was too drunk <laughs> to ride. I think he yeah. It's, you know, yeah. I'd have to go back and listen. They did a, yeah. um, they did a show on it. Yeah, um, those are the yeah. times that the stories and the that nothing does it justice. Like you had to be there. Yeah, yeah, and I yeah. think people were like just feeding him drinks over the fence and all that. Yep. But Goldie and Noof both they take it up to an eleven every time. Like yeah. never a dull moment. If if that happened in Canada, would that be like? How would that be looked at if that happened in Canada? Normal. If a guy was was like smashed and, and got in a pit bike race at a big event, mm -hmm. would that be it's, like frowned upon? It's okay. Or, no, yeah. not really. Yeah, cool. Yeah, it's it. That's one thing. Like people think Australia is pretty cool and all that, but seriously, if somebody was even fucking seen with a fucking drink in their hand and then getting on a, a bike even for a pit bike race, it would be fucking it would be a massive shit show at an event in mm. australia they'd probably be them and their family would probably be fucking kicked out and fucking banned and all this yeah. sort of stuff like we're so fucking strict here with so many things like that you know interesting i look at um i look at things like europe's even more loose you know like i love um i always watch um Erzberg. i don't know yeah. like, heaps about it but i i love it it's my favorite thing to watch that's not like a us like that's not an ama event the next favorite thing i love erzberg and, and that and that um that thing they do the the day the day before the event starts the prologue 
Nah, even before, like, where oh. they all just ride their fucking race bikes and into fucking town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> They're all like, they Doing jump on their race and... bikes and the mechanics on the spare bike and the girlfriends yep. are on the back and they all fucking ride through the middle of, of the town there at Erzberg and then they, you know, all that sort of yep. thing. Um, that's fucking like it's good. Yeah, you know, you'd need you'd need like seventeen fucking different permits, like triple stamped. To yeah, but how many people are there? In, how many thousands his... of people, yeah, or hundreds know. if not thousands, are on bikes and and riding around? Yeah, and you tell me how many incidents there are, how many people die or get injured or zero. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So like, yeah. it's fine. I know. I'll, people I'll need to chill out think, a bit. Yeah, that's that's cool. Yeah, that's it. Like you would, you would need. You know, um, miles of red tape to go through to do something like that in Australia, and it wouldn't even be in the end. It wouldn't even be worth it. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's another that's another rant for another day. Hey, <laughs> um, hey, I, uh, I got a question for you, quick about MX. Yeah, man, of nations. Yep. So yes, when you were talking with um, Brody, mm. our boy Brody Richards, yeah. Uh, what about somebody you didn't talk about for Australia is Luke Clout, and I don't know enough about Luke Clout. Do you know much about him? Yeah, Can, cool, man. Is he not a contender skill wise? That could he not? Um, not this year, no. So Cloudy had a um, um, so uh, would have been yeah, it would have been just just last year. Cloudy had a a really bad broken leg, like mm. man, it was wicked. He mm-hmm. he came off um, before uh, he came off, and he basically he travelled up the up and up ramp. Mm. Yep, his body, his body, like uh, without his bike, he his body went all the way up and up ramp. That's uh, was a high speed section, and mm-hmm. he sort of um, it was sort of a tank slapper slash high side sort of setup, and he got fucking thrown and bounced all the way to the top. Anyway, and he broke his leg really bad. Okay. long long recovery and then he also um was just so terrible terrible um prep for this year and then also um broke his elbow wrist he, he winged himself anyway at some stage this year which just yeah put him like way behind so mm-hmm. um him he's he's top end is um is there with Ferris's, you know? Yeah. But yeah, bad, bad injury. And I, and I think to, um, you know, getting his head right after, after that crash, probably a little bit of effect there too. Um, so yeah, but I believe he's switching teams. This there's a bit of, there's a bit of silly season stuff going on in a, in Australia as we speak. So is Penrite but, still involved or no? Yeah. 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 Oh, so cool. Pen, Penrite, um, I don't know. Do you guys have Penrod oils in North America? No, no, yeah, not with the presence that you guys have. Yeah, because the brand started in Australia. Interesting mm-hmm. fact: um, my dad was a a Penrod dealer back in. Uh, he would have started sort of started selling that. It was a rare thing to be a Penrod dealer in um, oh mid eighties. And people were like, you know, what's this stuff? You know, it was uh, it was a very sort of niche brand, really sort of roots in vintage cars and motorsport and that sort of thing. Um, 
and they they were real old school like that they were many years after the other brands before they'd go near synthetic it was all old school stuff and now they're just massive and did everything but yeah they 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 sponsor the series but they also sponsor brett metcalf's team oh nice. Mehdi, who, who you spent plenty of time oh, yeah. in canada after well, uh, in kamloops here yeah this is where he oh, was yeah, based cool. out of when he rode for kawasaki yeah cool so Mehdi's yeah. got his own team um has had for two years now mm -hmm. and um yeah so running ktms and um well, actually, they're, they're running, there's a couple of different brands, I think, but he's running a KDM and uh, Penrite sponsored. And they are wicked looking bikes, too. The Sweet. best looking bikes in the pits. Because, you know, that Penrite color, that, the black, yeah. red, and gold, and all that. Yeah, the really good looking bikes. Um, So, yeah, he's he's running that. And um, still, he's still going around. You know, he's still, he's still, um, he hasn't won for a couple of years. He hasn't won for, the last two seasons he hasn't had a win but um it wouldn't surprise you especially on his home track if he just won one next year you know he's still yep. he's still good like always sort of most of the time nowadays the fifth sixth guy mm -hmm. but um pretty stacked field in the aussies though you know yeah especially with jed beaton coming home um ferris coming out of retirement um tanty really at the top of his game Mm -hmm. um, I believe Tandy's going to the US, uh, and they, I th I'm not sure if it's a rumor or if it's a, um, or if it's a lock, but I think he's going to be riding for PRMX. Nice. Um, On a Yanny in the in the states, I think. Yeah, PRMX. Aren't they Cowie? I or think. sorry, no Cowie. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. I'm thinking Club MX. Yeah, yeah. They just re-upped with Yamaha. Yeah, well, club yeah PRMX. If he, if he could have got into Club, that would be awesome because he's yeah, you know, coming straight off Yamahas. Yeah. But the, you know, Cowie's a good boy. So yeah, no, hopefully, hopefully that goes well for Tandy because like he's 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 a really good dude too. Really, really likable guy. So nice. Yeah, man. That's good. Yeah. Um sweet. Uh I feel like uh Maddie would be similar. I'm not saying the same, but similar to Noof. Noof is, you know, a vet per ex pro and just so efficient at riding the bike like there's no wasted energy and it's just super smooth the pace is still there it may not be the fastest guy on the track but just always there gets the job done i don't know i like watching those he, guys um, ride one thing about medi that, that probably the main yeah, thing the that colonel. i noticed oh could you hear the colonel oh yeah <laughs> he wants <laughs> yes. to chat man you know every episode when i, li I listen it. to the playbacks and that he's sneaking them in in the background but yeah. Once it's all done and that, that you know, you but any episode, if you listen carefully, the colonel, yeah, he's he's only Fuck about you, I'm the um, boss, he says. He's only about, I guess, in your measurement, he's about uh he's about fifty feet away from where I sit. So yep. yeah, so you'll uh, and there's a got two couple of walls. Mm -hmm. But yeah, he'll uh he makes his presence known pretty regularly. So but yeah, maybe you gotta one, embrace that. Hey. You gotta the, embrace that, it's part of the show yeah that's right yeah. i need to get him in the yard just straight out my window just here one day and then you <laughs> then you'll hear him for sure yeah but um one thing about medi yeah that, that i always notice um medi in practice he's always looking for lines whereas you know like you'll get you know 
I think that's a real experience thing, you know, especially like you'll get, um, you know, Cloudy, Tandy, those guys. It's just fucking into it, you know. Um, Medi, the, the first few laps of practice, he'll be searching and he, he's always sort of looking for um, different lines, especially inside lines, things where he can cut down. It's like he's going around looking for opportunities. Yeah. In practice, that's something that I, that I often see him do, yeah. It's a vet thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Rather like, than just got to get this qualifying time, it's like, you know, what else? What else have we got here? You know, is there another little rut inside the main rut? Is there? You know, where can I? Where can I pass? You know, this sort of thing. And that's um, classic really- Valentino Rossi. He'd spend all qualifying in eighteenth, twentieth, and you're like, what the fuck's going on? Why is this, like? And then all of a sudden, last couple minutes, same thing. He's just scouting lines, scouting lines, and then he'll put a heater down. And he's top three on the board, and it's like, oh, okay, yeah, he knows what yeah. he's doing. Yeah, I don't know much about the old uh, the old uh, Moto GP man. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I, obviously, I know I know Rossi. I I used Casey. to. I you honestly, I haven't followed it closely since since Stoner retired. I don't <laughs> so, blame you. You know that was sort of like you know he, he was gone, but also too. Um. The reason I used to follow that is because we couldn't fucking watch moto. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was fucking nothing. Like there was, you'd catch a supercross on YouTube uh, on some dodgy hack. Um, and we couldn't watch the outdoors at all. And unless you had a, a, a even dodgier streamer or something, <laughs> which I had, I had yeah. some dodgy, I had some dodgy dudes um, <laughs> from South America that I used to, uh. used to watch the, the nationals on. And every year he'd have a different name. I love it. To, you'd have to sort of find him again and then watch yeah. his stream. But now, yeah, we, we get it. It's only the last few years we've been able to actually get everything. So, how yeah, far cool, are you man. from Phillip Island? Sorry, man. How far are you from Phillip Island? Uh, Phillip Island is about um, oh, four and a half, five hours. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. sort of straight, straight south. So yep. Phillip Island is is right off. It's off the very south of Mel. Oh, Phillip Island is off the very south of Melbourne, basically. Yep. There you go, right down, uh, right down there. I've been there. Um, yeah, been there lots of times. For yeah, lots of different things. I've been there. I've I've driven race cars around there. I've been there to nice. watch race cars. I've 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 never actually been there to watch the bikes. Um, but I've yeah been to Phillip Island just for holiday, and I've been there fishing trips. It's a good, it's a it's a ripper spot, you know. Where uh, even if the track wasn't there, so and that whole sort of little part of the world, the track that you you might hear of called One Thaggy, that um, is usually the opening round of our nationals. Mm-hmm. It's reasonably close. It's down that sort of same same sort of area there. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Cool, man. I'm going to ask you some questions, some suspension questions about your uh, about your business. Yeah. Um, first one, man, is um, I know I'm very much guilty of it, but it's got to piss you off, man. Some of the absolute shit shows of of um, forks and shocks that come in that are just fucking haven't had the oil changed in forever and are just an absolute pile of shit. <laughs> I'm fucking guilty of it myself. And I, I remember, like, my, my guy here, I apologise. 
I just say, look, I'm sorry, dude, this is going to be shit. <laughs> you know, I know. That, you know yeah. <laughs> yeah, you must get uh, some pretty crook ones. Yeah, yes and no. Uh, it's not frustrating unless it's done out of sheer neglect. Like, if it's just sheer ignorance, they don't know any better, then it's, I always enjoy educating my customers and explaining yeah. to them why, why yeah. it's important. And, uh, even if they don't even understand what I'm talking about, I love to just show them the inner workings of their forks and shocks. And that way they're going to pick up either two things. They might understand what I'm talking about and retain it, or they'll realize that they have no fucking clue what I'm talking about and that it's best. They just bring it to me when I say to ensure that it keeps working good. And usually when you have a fork or shock, that's that deteriorated or the oil is that bad. Once you service it and get it back to where it should be, even even the biggest hack will notice an improvement in the performance of it and yeah. go, Oh, okay. Yeah. This is, I need to do this more often. So, yeah. Cause like, like myself and, and, and I mean, I'm, I'm, um, I'm a big, I'm all, I represent a big section of the market, you know, like old, <laughs> old, blo old blokes that are just, that, that just ride heaps, you know, you put heaps of hours on your bike and, um, and you you super low budget you know and you just you know just pumping out hours on your bike and um you know it comes down sometimes to like well i know i've got to change the engine oil and i know i've got to change the chains and sprockets <laughs> the suspension could just wait and it can then it could just wait a little bit more and just wait a little bit more and then you know it's going to be total shit. and then every time you get it back and you're like oh Fuck, how good is this? <laughs> you know, my God, yeah. what was I doing? You know, like yeah. this thing is like so comfortable. And, yeah. Um, yeah it, uh, so where's where's the fail then? Like, where is it? Like, it's one thing if you know it, that you should have serviced it sooner. But the first time that happens, I feel like there's a huge disconnect on the salesman, on the sales floor level, that when you get sold a bike, they never, I mean, I've worked in lots of dealerships. Yeah. They don't take the time with the customer. They don't, they don't set sag with the customer. Like they don't bring the bike in the back and at least set sag with them. They don't tell them anything about suspension. And mm. so they all get blindsided. Literally most people, the first time they ever find out about when they should be servicing their suspension is the first time their fork seal leaks and they bring it in to have a fork seal changed. And yeah. then they'll have that conversation about, oh, you should be doing this every 70 hours or 50 hours or whatever your interval is that you guys decide upon. Right. Mm. I think, but, um, yeah, I think that, um, ah, oh, look, this is, this is, um, we're, we're getting close to another rant here, but I think big, you know, you'd have them there, there everywhere. You really big dealerships. They're just pumping out bikes. Um, there, there's a, uh, they don't give a fuck about that, you know? They don't give a fuck. Um, Side by sides and ETVs. If you, you know, I, I tend to always, wherever I've lived, I'll seek out a small dealer that's fucking really good bloke and I'll be loyal yep. to him. Yep. And yeah, well, in that, it, all those situations when I've bought a bike, I've only ever bought one brand new bike, but I'll, I'll get a secondhand bikes through those guys. And, um, they you know and i'll uh i've been in their workshops that sort of thing and yeah all those little things they grease the thing probably before the customer gets it mm -hmm. they will tell like when i when i did buy my new kx 
they, they said, look, this thing comes with a shit chain because Kiyosaki yeah. stock chains are garbage. They said, that'll 100%. Be, just go and wear it out. You know, you might as well, but it'll be yeah. fucked in no time. And just yep. know that you're gonna need, you're gonna want to put a chain on it soon, um, and um, yeah, they gave me a pep talk about the suspension. You know, the old um, just just ride it for a start, so you got a bit of a um, a bit of a base of how you feel about it, and and let it wear in a bit and get a bit of a base how you feel about it, and then you want to get stuff get it you know set up and that sort of thing, and. Um, you know, just just greasing the back end, all those different things that yeah, your big your big um, your big sort of your fucking WalMarts of of bike dealers. Um, they don't tell you. They're just fucking pumping them out. You know, like I've had mm -hmm. um, I've had you know some experiences in some big bike shops. Honestly, what what I what I used to do when I lived on the edge of Melbourne, and that's what uh, a lot of people do. You go into some of these big box stores and you'd fucking pick out everything that you want and you'd try try everything on. And then you go to your little dealer that looks after you and you'd say, All right, Order it up. this helmet fitted great. <laughs> these boots are yep. great and all that. And it, yeah, like it's yep. um one story that I always use as an example of of your big box dealer. And um, look, this I'm pissing people off, but whatever. There's probably some big. <laughs> there's probably some big box dealers out there with a fucking good owner that yeah. that trains the staff properly. So I'm probably casting a you know a shadow over all of them, just on my experience, which isn't fair. But um, when Toby Price, the first time he won Dakar, right, that was a fucking big deal. It, mm -hmm. Like no matter what sort of bike you rode, whether you're into moto, road, off road. Fucking anything! Like everybody knew that Pricey won Dakar. That was massive, like yeah, a massive achievement. And at that same time, we had a a guy from the club was going around all the dealerships, asking them to hand out flyers for an event. And he just making small talk, and he went to the um the parts counter at this big dealership. And just making a bit of small talk, and can you hand out these flyers? And any of that, of course, they were happy to do that. And he goes, "Oh, how about Pricey? Hey, fucking hell!" And they're going, "Oh, what happened?" And it's like Toby Price, and it's like, "Oh," and they just got this blank look, and it's like, you know, Toby Price. Nah, I'm not sure who he is. And this was the week after. <laughs> you like, just turn around and leave. <laughs> it was just. Couldn't believe it when 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 this guy came and told us at, at the club and he was just like, "Yep, they fucking that's that's what you get there, you know." Yeah. Um, some someone that's probably they've probably been selling fucking, you know, parts at a Ford dealership and they come over to you know sell motorbike parts. So they can remember part numbers and look stuff up, but yeah. So um, that that's it's it. unfortunate, you know, man. And you know, none of those bikes are getting greased and they don't know anything about their suspension and and all that sort of stuff, man. What about, dude, when you um when you get a guy come in like like a lot of the population, I guess, of, of average Joes. So I've come up with these questions. So there's a lot of average Joe questions in this. Perfect. Because I, I did I asked I, I asked out for questions on Insta and all that. Didn't have any luck. So I don't have any fast guy questions for you. But there's a lot more average Joes out there than fast guys anyway, hey? So yep. um, a lot of average Joes love a track day 
and run it a bit of moto. And they also love to get out the bush as well and do a bit of trail riding and and a bit of exploring or a bit or off road racing. Um, what's your thoughts on that? Like um, finding a bit of a uh, if you, you know you would have set up bikes where you got to find a bit of compromise with that with the suspension setup. I think it's all about again back to what I said earlier about educating your customer. So if you can explain to them that if you could imagine like a teeter totter or pendulum, if you have plushness over square edges for your off road settings, but then you have resistance to bottoming over here for when you're jumping or riding the track, one comes at a cost of the other. So as long as they understand that the perfect setup for both doesn't exist, that like you said, it will be compromise. You can do it. You just explain to them, I'm going to give you, you know, you have to be honest with me. What do you ride more? If you're 70% off-road and 30% track, then that's how we'll bias the setup of your bike. And you have to be willing to give a little on the track to make it work better off-road. And you can get a pretty good setting that does both okay, but a full-on, like a vet expert motocross setup is never going to work that great in the bush or vice versa. If you're even an, an expert or an intermediate off-road racer, that setting is going to be different than what's going to work for you on the track. So it's give and take. Um, you can make yeah. both work okay, but you can't make both great. Yeah, cool, man. I like what you said there How, how um, about talking to your customers and educating your customers. Same as with your last answer, you know, because um, that um, there's a there's a lot of dudes that are good with their hands, maybe even good at running a business and making money, but not that good at talking to their customers. So that um, that counts for a lot, I think, with um, with what you're doing there. There goes the colonel again. Did you hear him that time? He just <laughs> so, agrees with me. He's like, yeah. He says, fuck it. He's like, <laughs> fuck you, Jeff. That's it. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Hey, he uh, likes the same music as you too. Yeah, good. Now we're off on a tangent. So Jeff, Jeff's a big fan of gangster rap Friday. That's, yep. that's your jam. It'll be on tomorrow morning. Producer and, uh, Joe. That's it. Gangster rap Friday. The, yeah. the, 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 it's on. You can actually look that up on Spotify. We got and a playlist. A, I don't know if that's actually Joe's playlist or it's just one that's very similar, but there is a gangster I, rap Friday. The gangster rap Friday play, playlist I created. Joe's all the music that he played on Gangster Rap Fridays is on the main main show playlist. So it's just yeah. integrated with all the music that he played. Yeah. Chances are it's pretty similar to the one on um on Spotify anyway that I've I've chucked mm -hmm. on every now and again. So I I'm 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 a rock guy, but I'm pretty partial to a bit of uh old school rap as well, or very partial to it. And uh I can tell you that the Colonel, I reckon I reckon he cube, I reckon Cube's his favorite. That's mm -hmm. when he's sort of most animated. He gets about mm -hmm. the fucking yard a bit when, when a bit of bit of cube or a bit of Cypress Hill comes on. So yep. yeah, he, he it, likes that shit. The the colonel's not Caucasian, is he? No, no, no. no. He's he well, he's he's <laughs> he's red. He, he's yep. red. He's a he's a redhead. He's a redhead, and he, I, I believe. Um, I mean, we don't really know. It's not like he came from. He came from a fucking school, so we don't know if he came from a, a, a breeder or whatever. But he looks like he's a he's a um, Rhode Island red. That looks like the the breed he is. So, mm -hmm. I thought yeah. there was a like a what's the word I'm looking for? There's like a an old 
cryptic tale about one night a big tornado type storm blew in off the coast with thunder and storms and it was all you know you guys were just cowering in your in your storm covers in the basements of your house and then when the sun came out and everything cleared that the colonel was just there <laughs> and he was just delivered by the gods i yeah. thought that's how he came to be nah no? it's not that now nah. <sighs> we might i might just fucking hang it remember that i'll i'll memorize that and we'll just make that the fucking truth so yep. you know what what's that thing where if you say something enough it just fucking becomes a truth you know that's it's what that. uh kamala harris does it's called gaslighting <laughs> is it, oh, i don't know who the she is so, anyway, but, but yeah there's a thing you know it's like um oh, yeah there's a name for it where you just say something that so many times it becomes the truth you know everyone just yep. believes it because yep. yeah coming coming home as a hatchling from a fucking school project isn't as nowhere near as glamorous of a start so no no he's too yeah. legendary for that but the thing is story. That, sometimes i think that's probably why he's got a fucking chip on his shoulder because he's a school rooster you know mm -hmm. he's, he wasn't like a fucking hardcore farmyard rooster so he's got a fucking chip on his shoulder that he's got a fucking go to um you know like a, he's like a fucking cooper webb he's got that fucking chip on his shoulder so he's got to perform. hey you just you just spawned like two really good questions that i have for you with those last two things you just said <laughs> and so right, um, and that's how the show runs go for it yeah and <laughs> so you did db kind of dirty and you hit him hard with a with a question that hit him in the field so i got one of those for oh, you yeah yeah I'm all but i'm that. gonna i'm gonna just this other one's just a quick conversation i'll hit this first so you just yeah. said coop and when yeah. you were talking uh with brody about coop and him going to yamaha or you were talking about uh like with bobby hewitt and stuff yeah and it's like we're all adults we're all grown men in the room why can't people just say they don't like each other like why does it why can't that just like why can't someone just say i'm the team manager or i'm the team owner justin cooper and i or pick your rider rider zed we don't get along He's not good for the team vibe. So he's as talented as fuck, but we don't want him on the team. Like that's the, that's the truth. But then they just pussyfoot around it and you get some, the rider humming and hawing. Oh, I don't know. I'm just not the right fit or, or, and then the team owner. And it's like, fuck, just say you guys don't like each other. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I think that, like, I don't know, man. It's, it's not a big a, deal. It's but, just, um, our particular sport, but that's just, it's just mirroring society though isn't it you know yep. like oh, yeah. um pussy foot there's around. uh there there's not a lot of shake straight there, <clears throat> start again there's not a lot of straight shooters in the world you know mm -mm. so uh, which is unfortunate yeah yeah so think, my serious question for you yeah man is yeah. um when you're talking with ben i don't know how many people caught this but you threw a, a little nugget in there do you know what i'm yep. talking about no nah, man i don't maybe I took this out of context, but you mentioned something about mental issues. Yeah, man. And you guys were talking about the mental game with stuff. Yeah. And I took it under the impression that you may have had some, some battles in the past mentally. Oh shit. Yeah, man. So, um, can you talk about that? Oh fuck. Like I have talked about it. Yeah. So on that subject, I'm a fucking open book. Like, Fuck it, and I mean a fucking wide open. Um, if anybody's interested, there is actually a 
a, a vi- at least one video out there that I, I did a video about my struggles and getting well and then um, also um, uh, and trying to help people. But yeah, man, um, mental struggles with um, uh, chronic depression and anxiety mm-hmm. from uh, high school age through mm-hmm. to my late 30s and I'm now in my late 40s. So yeah, that was a, a, a lot longer time where I was pretty fucked up to uh, and, and, and a lot less time now that I've been well. So honestly, man, the story of that is, um, uh, oh shit, man, like it, we could do like five fucking episodes on it, <laughs> but, yeah. but uh, in, in brief, man, so I'll try and give a few nuggets out of that. Um, in brief, it, it runs in the family mm-hmm. very much, which um, depression usually does. Um, and depression, it's extremely misunderstood. And that's the, there's like fucking three or four shows in that as well. So And anxiety, but, right? Yeah, yep. Um, what I would um, what, what I would say to put this into a short thing, so the biggest thing for me that turned my life around, and I also think it's the biggest thing for anybody that's facing those struggles, is about figuring out yourself and being absolutely one fucking million percent authentic and true to yourself, no matter what, and fucking stamp it. Like no matter what, no matter for if it's for fucking money or. Uh, other people's judgment or fucking anything else it's about being absolutely yourself that was the the golden nugget that the third the third shrink that had a crack at my head um, yeah. she she found that she went digging and she found that nugget and it mm-hmm. flipped, flicked a switch on me that um that set me on the right path to the man I am today so and I am still getting better and gradually getting better. But yeah, man, like I have been um, very, very close to being suicidal. I would say, I wouldn't say that I have been suicidal because I never tried anything, but the mm-hmm. thoughts and all that sort of thing, I would say if, if being suicidal is a hundred, I've spent time at 99. So um, mental health and the whole thing around that is, extremely i'm extremely passionate about and um it would be something that i am equally as passionate so moto and helping people with those struggles would be um my two biggest passions man so yeah um and absolutely fucking completely open to talk about it so even to the stage that if someone listens to this show and they're struggling hit me up i'll fucking definitely answer and i will definitely be able to give you some help and particularly if you're a dad if you're a bloke if you're a a bloke like me you know who's a bit fucking a free bird loose unit type you know um i can definitely help you out with that so yeah man and fucking thanks for asking too because you know it's a great subject i actually love talking about it good and um yeah that i'll try and yeah 
figure out how I can maybe link um, the so the video I'm talking about. I did uh, oh five or six years ago, maybe yep. yeah, ish. Um, I I basically put out a video on Facebook to all my family and friends explaining what I'd been going through. And before that day where I hit fucking send on that video, only my wife and my doctor knew that I'd ever not been this fucking happy smiling fucker that you're looking at yep. right now. Cause yep. I was, I was still the happy smiling fucker, you know? <laughs> so yep. I like, uh, AKA you Robin Williams type. Yep. The fucking happy guy. Nothing's ever wrong with Steve, you know, all that sort of thing. Yep. Um, I was one of those guys. Yeah. So, at, uh, but like I said, man, yeah. We, I, do you find you could do, you could do five episodes on that? You mentioned something about um, like giving, like supporting other people or other kids or dudes or whatever. Like, do yep. you find whether it's coaching, or whatever um like giving back to the riding community is like obsessive almost infectious that like you, once you start you can't stop kind of thing yeah yeah um i the, like the way i live my life nowadays is like oh, i try and help people all the time you know and mm -hmm. i um i I fucking love it, you know. Like when, when before I had the courage to do a video and say, "Look, this is me. I've been all fucked up." Blah blah blah, and put that out to the world. Um, you know, that before that, like, um, it yeah, it's amazing the amount of people that that just that one act, the ripple effect of that. Me and my me and my best mates now, since I did that video, who are and some of them are fucking yeah, you know, your real alpha mm -hmm. macho fucking, you know, like the last cunt you'd expect to to talk about their feels. We will talk to each other about how we're going now since yep. I fucking cracked that open. Um my dad, who's the most stoic motherfucker you'd ever come across, <laughs> we'll talk about our feels, you know, yeah, um, all that sort of thing. So, and you know, as far as you know, um, helping people, yeah, I'll, I'll go out of my way, go very much out of my way to help people out with that. I even to the stage where, man, I actually, I tried to maybe get a foot in the door of working in that space because I, um, I love it so much. But um, not to get political, but that that field that that field of um, mental health health in general, um, I don't fit in with the, the that crowd. So, which is a fucking shame because um, you know Bogans they need a good cunt like you. But that's why it's a shame. Bogans know about this stuff too, but yeah, it's. Um, it, it is very much a, um, and I've I've spoken to some people, you know, that are doing great things in the, in that sort of um, space of um, mental health and that, and, and they uh, and they say, yeah, you know, like we need we need blokes like you in this space.
because it's blokes like you that fucking struggle with things and won't talk about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I sort of give up on that and, but not, yeah, you never give up completely, but as far as just, I'm, I'm just happy, man, to informally help people because yep. I've learned so much, you know, like I, I took it upon myself to, to, cause you know, and I th- we got this in common. I think a lot of motor people got this in common. I don't fucking trust. I don't trust what's the, I don't trust the narrative on anything. I've got, I'll got to investigate and figure it out myself. Yep. I'll talk to, I'll talk to the doctor, I'll, you know, and I'll do my own research and I'll talk to the shrinks and I'll do my own research and that sort of thing and come up with what's best for me and really yep. learn about me. I think that's a real key to, to health in general, especially mental health is, is, you know, the core of it, listening to yourself. So educating yourself. Absolutely. I educated myself on, you know, like I, I was a guy who could, um, and this is, this is a, a cut. This is coming back to me. This is a cut out of the video I was speaking of. I'm a guy who can fix anything, you know, fix, yep. fix cars, bikes, houses, you fucking name it. I can fix anything and everything. And I sort of took it on myself. I was like, fuck this. I'm going to fix my fucking head. And mm-hmm. I fucking did, you know, as, as I've said to people, like, I don't know, um, if, yeah, you guys, yeah, I think black dog isn't just an Australian term. I think the black dog is is a worldwide term as far as depression. Yep. You know, I, I kick the fucking black dog's ass. So, yep. Yeah. So do you feel like, I know you say that it's um, hereditary, but like, do you feel like your relationship with your dad or how your dad, and in no way am I blaming him or anything, but how he managed or carried himself or his relationship with you. Do you feel like you changing that relationship in how you engage and act with your son will have a positive or profound effect on the possible outcomes with your son? Massively already has. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Massively. Yeah. So my son and my daughter have both had struggles mm-hmm. and I was able to pick up on what was going on straight away earlier yep. for my, well, like my son's, nearly 21 so early early days i hadn't figured my own shit out so and a fuck i wish i it breaks my heart that i didn't have that knowledge earlier for him but i had that knowledge for when my daughter had some struggles Mm -hmm. um her struggles nothing like what i've been through um my son had heavy heavy struggles um my daughter just had you know um teenage girls have heaps of struggles you know 100%. 100%. So I was there, I was there with fucking heaps of knowledge to help. Um, yep. you know, and as a dad man like I've had, I've never had money man like I I don't complain about it because there's many people in the world that are fucking would that my life would be like fucking royalty to. Mm-hmm. But I've never had much money. I'm not going to be able to leave my kids much money, but I've mm-hmm. been I'm able to leave my kids a fucking lot of good advice, you know? Mm-hmm. So but isn't that that that's of more value in the real world, right? Well, that what, is more what, value what because you, that's you know. All, one thing I say is, um, you can uh, and you you can if there's always a way if if you really wanted to make money, there's a way to do that. But what you can't get, you, you can't just get you know, you can't get just you can't go and buy wisdom. Someone has to or give happiness it to you. or mental stability. Yeah. That's right. And and the other thing is to you can't get back time. So okay. the sooner the sooner you are 
learn about yourself and you're healthy and you're ready to live the life that you're supposed to fucking live, that authentic life, that um, it's saving your time, which is fucking mm-hmm. heaps more valuable than money. So, I had a, a good friend of mine's dad said something to me once that stuck into my head forever. He said, uh, I look forward to the day that I can stop being his father and just be his friend. Mm. And as your son grows, right, and becomes a man himself, right, your role as a father, you'll always be his father, don't get me wrong, but you don't raise him as a dad anymore. You're just his buddy. You should be his best buddy, right? Yeah. But that's like, you you might remember, we we talked a little bit about that sort of stuff with with, with DB was talking about Evan. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's what sparked it for me. Like, yeah, like my my dad's my best mate nowadays, you know? And, um, you know, um, my... um, not like my young bloke has autism, so mm-hmm. it's it's different, man. Because all autistic people, um, they they communicate on a different level, you know, to um, to others. Their their normal is a different normal, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, I had a lot of a lot of the time that close connection's not there because that's just how they roll. Yep, but. I fucking love it when, you know, usually when we spend a lot of time, when he's sort of stuck with me, you know, <laughs> if in the winter time he'll come out with me, we'll go cutting firewood. Our place is, our house is wood heated, you know. Yep. We'll go cutting firewood and he'll be stuck with me for like a whole day, you know, <laughs> and he has to, and and he, he'll he start talking and we'll have these great conversations and things like that. So, you know. And yeah, we're, we are, um, so the relationship's different, but yeah, we're great mates. Yeah. Good. Yeah. That's, uh, pretty important. It is, man. It is. Hey, um, do you want to, uh, do some more suspension questions or you, you know, so as, as we, um, we, we planned earlier and it's just gone organically that way, which is cool. It's how I like it. But Jeff wanted to ask me some questions and we've sort of already gotten into that. You want to do a couple more suspension questions, then we can jump back to questions you had for me. And yeah, yeah. I want to uh, I want to talk a little bit of current events with this whole Ducati Triumph thing that we got going on. But yeah, uh, man, go for it. Yeah, yeah ask me a that. suspension question. Yeah, or, or, or whatever maybe works. We'll, we'll do a couple of suspension questions, man. Yeah, we'll do a couple more, or maybe even one more. It depends how how <laughs> um, interesting it is for you. Yeah, and, you know, what we get out of it. Um, one that I was going to ask about that, um, I think so many people don't know, and this is again, out to the average Joe's, this is, you know, RH22, he, he knows all this, but average Joe, um, is about, um, just the right, you know, having your, your forks installed properly, Hmm. not just fucking cranking the fucking triple clam bolts down and fucking everything, talking them right talking them to again like i know um riding a cowie i always i always um thought the cowie specs and the triple clamps the fucking bolts were just too tight and i but i mm-hmm. did it with the spec and then it was only just a couple of years ago you know knowing rh2 too i said dude what are you guys and that was quite a bit less you know yeah. it was about 10 15 less um talk than the cowie book says um and you know there you go because i mean i've i've had to replace 
the bolts because the bolts stretch. I fucking even yep. snapped one time when I was doing it to the, you know, things like that. And um, and getting your forks set in and, you know, I think everyone's got their certain things. I, I learned off a guy, you know, put it back down to the ground, bounce it, you know, mm-hmm. all this sort of stuff, retalk it, you know, this sort of thing. And even you, you like your front wheel, people crank up you know, and fucking twist the forks, you know, together mm-hmm. like this. That sort of so, stuff. Do you find that? Do you find you have to explain that to a lot of customers, or do you just yeah. explain it? Yeah, yeah, you do it again. This is all circles back to educating your customer. If yeah. they're the type of person, I mean, that um, does their own work at home, a lot of customers bring me loose forks and shocks, right? And then a, yeah. a lot of customers bring me the bike. And I used to want to have the bike so that when I did work to their suspension and and it got reinstalled in the bike. I wanted to make sure that those triple clamps were torqued correctly and the axle lugs were torqued correctly so that, and then the forks, we'll get into this in a second, that they were parallel. And so that the work that I did with valving or spring rates and the suspension worked the way I wanted it to so that the customer yielded the, the, the effect that we were looking for. If they install it incorrectly, then that wrecks all of that. So for a while, I used to not charge people to do it just to make sure that there was they weren't being reluctant to bring me the bike because of money i wanted to make sure it was done right but then i'm doing an extra 45 minutes or hour worth of work re-entering forks and shocks for free and at some point like it doesn't say unicef across the top of the door it says gp moto right so my time's worth money i'm sorry but it is i need to make a living so i had to start charging people to re-entry forks and shocks some people still bring me their bikes and some people bring me loose suspension and some people install their stuff incorrectly and I fix it for them. But, um, it happens for sure. And if I could even do my best to keep this super short, but if you can imagine with the conventional, like an inverted fork that we have on almost all our modern dirt bikes, there's a bushing that goes around the top of the inner tube. Okay. It's called the piston bushing. So it slides up inside the ID of your outer aluminum tube and then there's a bushing that gets hammered into the bottom of the your outer tube and it stays still and as the inner tube moves in and out of the outer tube that bushing just helps you know keep everything in place so your very top triple clamp if you over torque the shit out of it it doesn't really matter you're just pinching the fork tube around the fork cap basically but yeah. that lower triple clamp or your lower crown, whatever you want to call it, that piston bushing that's on the inner fork tube, it has to pass through your triple clamp as your suspension compresses. So when you over tighten it, you create a stiction point that will create harshness in your suspension before your suspension bottoms out. Yeah. So that torque is important. And you're right. Most guys over torque it. And even some manufacturer specs, I think I, I, I'm glad that your gut told you it was too high. It probably was, right? Like you say, RH yeah. and other guys yeah. aren't tightening them that tight. Yeah. Um, before I get to the last point, the other one is a lot of guys don't vent the air pressure out of their, oh, yeah. Of course, yeah. right out of their forks. Yeah. So yeah. I've had forks that they barely compress. They feel like garbage <laughs> and, yeah. and you bleed the air out of them with a screwdriver and all of a sudden they're magic again. They're nice and plush. So li- simple stuff like that. But yeah, then that, the last that one, one blows me away. That one blows me away. Like, geez, every single ride, like you know, mm-hmm. or, or even during a ride, if it's really long, like, oh, yeah, um, 
I'll do that. Like I even at my like I'm like a like a a uh, a mid pack at best C grader, right? So my pace <laughs> is not great, but uh, that's how much I love the sport, man. To be still riding <laughs> at my age, but I've never gotten good. You know that, that yeah. really shows the love. But I can notice when the forks, when the air's pumped up. You know. Yep. Yeah. Hundred percent. And then the last one that you mentioned is a lot of guys change their own tires, right? Yeah. So the front axles in and out and they're constantly over torquing the shit out of those fork lugs at the bottom, right? Yeah. Ah, a little tighter, a little tighter, ah, snug it up a little more. Right. And it just crushes that axle lug around the axle. Yeah. And then when that starts getting tight, then guys out comes the hammer to yeah. start beating the axle in. Well, then it <laughs> mushrooms over the end of the axle. Yeah. right and they don't notice well then your axle is not going into the fork lug where it should but you still tighten up the nut on the other side so it literally takes the fork tubes and it pulls them together in the bottom so now your forks aren't parallel anymore they're like i'm exaggerating yeah. but they're in like a v down yeah. towards the front wheel so you get tons of stiction and binding in your bushings and so uh i was having a conversation with one of the very high ups at race tech in California one time. And, um, they were talking about issues with customers complaining about the quality. Like they bought gold valves, they installed them. It just doesn't work the way they thought it was going to. So what they did is they hired somebody, they put them in a, in a van, like a sprinter van or whatever, and they had them drive around. They followed the national circuit in the United States. And there's always usually amateur races that correspond with the pro races on a weekend. And all they, this guy's job was, all he did is he would walk around the pits and look for guys that had race tech stickers on their forks. And all he'd do is he'd find someone with race tech decals, walk up to them, introduce himself, and just check that fork lugs. Just make sure that the forks are centered on the axle properly, that it's not binding on the front. And I forget the number now. This was years ago we had this talk, but... They had something crazy like a 40, 38 or 40% reduction in technical assistance calls after they hired him and had him doing that. Yeah, that's honestly, man, like that's, that's unreal, but it also doesn't surprise me. Totally. It doesn't surprise me. Yeah. And I mean, yesterday I put an axle in my lathe and I machined off the mushroom tip on an axle on a 2013 KX450. Like I still see it all it. the time. That's that's yep. wild. Now I haven't seen that, but look, I've I've seen you know we've all seen the 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 hack jobs. You know, it's like yeah. I mean, yeah. I I was I was never a motorcycle mechanic apart from well, I've been working on my own bike since I was about twelve. But I was a um, I was a main like a um, what did we call it here? General stream mechanic. So I mm -hmm. worked on cars. And you see, yeah. So you, I've seen so much rough stuff yeah the old ha <laughs> the hammer you, you need the hammer sometimes some things yeah. you do need a hammer but yeah, yeah. a lot of things don't ever fucking pick up the hammer so or yeah. it's amazing how many guys don't have a like a, a rubber hammer or a soft blow hammer in their toolbox yeah I and mean, you could beat it till you're blue in the face with that if you want but just don't yeah, use a metal right. hammer yeah, the old nylon the old nylon mm -hmm. uh, one, it, that's uh, that's my favourite when you got to give something a bit of a tune-up. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, man. Yeah. Cool. Um, 
One more, one more suspension question, hey? Yep. So um, do you get, uh, when you get Average Joe come in and they're trying to explain to you what they want. So I'm very good <laughs> with this, okay? Yep. So and, and I know, I, I even get people like, suspension text, they will like, fucking thank me. Because I'll, I'll do a fucking list. I'll be like, this is what I ride, this percentage of moto, this percentage of off-road. This is yep. exactly what I weigh with gear on. Um, I like to ride up over the front and, and, you know, get over the front wheel as a rider and blah, 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 a couple other things. And they'll be like, oh, shit, back in the air, this is good. Yeah, this this makes mm -hmm. it easy. Um, 100%. And I remember one guy asked me what I weighed about three times, you know, just because mm -hmm. he was obviously used to people fucking lying. Lying. <laughs> yeah, there's so many people. And that was when I was fat too, you know. And, and yeah, and a lot of a lot of fat guys would be lying. You know, they'd be shaving a few often, not look so bad. Yeah. But that's no good because they want to set your bike up properly. Yeah. Um, right. to get the fat boy springs in. Um, I, have, yeah, I to, keep a scale. Go, like, you, you must get a lot of people that just, you know, wouldn't have, can't explain what they want and that sort of thing. That'd be pretty hard at times. You'd be surprised. Um, I'm going to do myself a huge disservice here. And I don't know, maybe not, but if, well, I do a lot of testing every like 2024 is now they have a new coil fork out from WP. So all the Austrian yeah. bikes have a new fork they've released. So the second I can get my hands on one, I do, I ride it, I valve it. I, I establish some base settings that's going to work. Again, the majority of my clientele base is around here. So I find good settings that work around here. Um, and then that way I've got that as like a, a, a good database to work from. And then like you say, if you're 20 or 30 pounds heavier or lighter, then you can, over the years, you learn how to make a slight variation on the mid valve or on the base valve or spring rate and stuff to ensure that you're giving the rider what you want. And, um, but yeah, I get guys, I've got customers that are 6'8", 280. And I've got customers that are 5'3", and they're 120 pounds. And they both exhibit their own challenges with setup. But where I'm going to discredit myself a bit here is with those base settings that I've established as a good setting, you would be surprised that for 90% of the people out there, I could put the exact same valving in their forks and shocks and just change the spring rate based on their weight. And 90% of those people will be ecstatic with the end result. Could it be yeah. better than that? Possibly. But are you willing to spend the money to have me go in there two or three or four times and make subtle changes to get it as good as it could possibly be? Or are you happy with the 70% improvement that we made over stock with those base settings, right? Mm. So I don't always do that. I'm not saying that that's what I, that's my business motto. It's not, but um, I'm saying that you, you almost could. So um, most off-road guys are pretty, they just want plushness on square edges. They want the bike to hold itself up, not squat excessively on corner exit or dive too much under the brakes. And if you can kind of nail those three things, most people are going to be pretty happy with their setup. Then you get that last 10% that are good. Like you say, they're really good at interpreting feedback from the bike and translating that to you into when and where it will do what. And so then you can use those symptoms to help tune the fork or shock to get it to do what they're looking for. And 
again, when you see it over and over and over and over again, most people are realistically, they're looking for the same thing. So uh, if one person says, oh, your revalve was amazing, when they bring it in for a service again 50 hours later, they're like, hey, it just dives a little bit more than I'd like on the fork. Could we just fix that? Then that same fix you used on the last person that didn't like the dive, it, nine times out of 10, you could put that fix in this again, and it works for this person too. So there's a lot of repetition. Um, RH22 could, we, we've talked about valving settings quite a bit on conversations we've had. Um, and I think there's a lot of pros that ride similar settings, but then there's pros again, kind of world renowned known that Ricky Carmichael's setup was completely fucked and nobody <laughs> else could ride his yeah. bike. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and same with Reed, his was different maybe, or, you know, whereas I feel like someone like Brayton would ride a pretty neutral setting. Yeah. Um, so none of those settings are wrong. If Ricky goes undefeated two years in a row, his That's bike's wrong. not wrong. It's yeah. just, it's wrong for you, but it's right for him. Yeah. So it gets, you start getting into some thick stuff there with what's right and what's wrong with suspension settings. But, um, I feel sorry for the manufacturer because now that I know what goes into setting up a fork and a shock in terms of spring rate and valving settings and everything to try to put something in there that's going to make all the consumers happy plus Chris Kiefer and Michael Lindsay and whoever, whatever editor of, or of whatever magazine that that's, Oh, it's a yeah. piece of shit. It's too soft. It's too stiff. Right? Like who do you cater to? Yeah. Right. And I don't know. My theory is they don't cater to the pros because no pro run stock suspension. They don't cater to the beginner because they don't know what the fuck they're doing anyways. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's sensory yeah. overload. Yeah. And so they're really catering to like the average junior to intermediate vet pro kind of speed. As long as it yeah. works good for them, that's kind of who they want to keep happy. So I guess based on the settings I see. Cool, man. Cool. That's some good information there. So that, that also matches what I've heard from, from quite a few is spring rates mm -hmm. along with with just keeping your shit in good condition with your oil and everything nice is yep. is the key that you don't you don't always need a revalve yeah uh yes and no no you don't always i agree with what you're saying um but the reality that the amount of times that a stock suspension setting will work for the customer i would say is probably two out of ten okay yeah yeah, yeah. Just because too many variables, right? Yeah. Um, again, that depends where you live and what you're doing with the bike, what model bike you bought. If you bought an SXF, then it's not going to work off-road. That's not what it's meant for. Whereas an XCW or a, you know what I mean, a YZF450X or whatever, they're off-road model yeah. models. They'll work better off-road. But uh, the other thing I wanted to quickly say too was uh, a lot of guys, whether it's your, and I'm not picking on Chris Kiefer, he's great. He does an amazing job, but they always talk about how important it is to set sag on your bike. Yes, it is, but it's also just as important to fuck with it. Don't just set it at 105 or 103 and never touch it again, because that's what they said. What does 108 feel like? What does hundred feel like? You know what I mean? Classic was when this is years ago and Justin Barsh and Aaron Plessinger both rode for factory Yamaha. I can't remember what, if it was Transworld or maybe it was Swap Moto or who it was, but they rode both their bikes. 
And Plessinger's bike's super choppered out. He probably runs 108, 110 sag, really deep in the back. And Barsha's rides like 98 or 100 mil sag, the thing's on its nose. And that's just their riding style. And again, back to what I said about Reed versus Carmichael or whatever, neither of those setups are wrong. That's just what that rider prefers. One guy steers with the front wheel, one guy steers with the rear wheel. So how do you know what you like until you try both and say, I do like this or I don't like that. But if you never fuck with it, then you never know what works for you. Mm. So don't be afraid to play with compression settings. Don't be afraid to play with sag. Do you have a go-to? Do you have a go-to sag that do you get, like have a go? What's your go-to starting point with sag? One hundred five usually. Yeah, cool. Well, that's what and I then, do. So. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, and and yeah. then play from as long there, as like... as long as Susie gets it right because she she's the she's the sag measure in in this family. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, can't think, get uh, much past Aussie Susie. She's on. I think it. her eyes are pretty good, so she's yeah. I leave the fucking the sharpie mark on the fucking back guards of both my bikes, so it's ready to yeah. Makes it easy. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> hey, so what do you have? You did you see that release they just did with the Ducati? Um, I saw. So I've seen the the video where um. Uh, it's it's a sh shadowy blacked out. You can't see anything. And I did happen across a um, a picture that uh, was on Insta. I think it was Motocross Action put up, but it's I didn't take too much into it because you know a lot of these pictures that come out that are like um, Photoshop bullshit. Yeah, Photoshop yep. bullshit. I sort of looked at yep. it and I thought, oh, I don't know. I don't know if that's fucking right or not. So, so Ducati yeah. itself has released a really okay. cool. 3d 3d animated like a computer rendering of the engine putting it together yeah, it assembling itself that. piece yeah. by piece i saw the start of it when i was uh, probably when i was having smoker or something today and yeah and um so just explain smoker i don't know if that's just i think that's just an aussie thing i don't Fag. smoke i don't smoke smoko <laughs> is just a nickname for morning tea yeah uh, or your morning break a smoke um, break from way but from no the old smoke. days when everybody w was using it to have a smoke, it's called Smoko. So if an Aussie says they're taking Smoko, they're taking morning tea or yep. afternoon tea or whatever, you know, you're having your, your small breaks at work. Um, is uh, <laughs> that's, uh, that's the thing. So yeah, not every Aussie smokes. Break. That actually, do fucking not many Aussies do smoke. It's a pretty small population nowadays. So good. But yeah, that's just a, just a uh, little Aussie term, something that, yeah, just. I'm just learning you something there. Um, so, yeah, but I did see the start of that Ducati um, engine Animation. thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but where I um, where I was working today, the old internet was fucking shit. So it yeah, wouldn't <laughs> load and that sort of thing. So I, I yeah. fucked it off and just, yeah, so I have to go back and watch it. I think Toolman Dan put it up, didn't he, or shared it? Yeah, there was. It, sure, it, yeah. It's going around. It, it's the latest thing. Event. Yeah. 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 Um, so for me it was as a mechanic and it was really intriguing because it's tough for me to see it through the lens of the average consumer who uh, politely as i can say this doesn't know anything about the internals of engines but like rh or myself um i recognize and know every single part and piece that they were putting together in that animation and i'm picking up from 
I guess we didn't get into this with my past, but I spent five or six years road racing down in Portland, Oregon. And um, so with my street bike background, I'm quite familiar with Ducati and their Desmodromic valve train system. And I watched MotoGP religiously for a lot of years in the early 2000s through till, I don't know, probably from 01 to like 2012, probably good 10 years. And um, went to a few GPs and stuff. But um, anyways, uh, so the this desmodromic valve train system that they're going to have in these engines, I don't know if you know anything about this or not, but basically there's no valve spring. Okay. Okay, so if you imagine um, a rocker arm, you have a rocker arm on the top, there's your valve, and there's a rocker arm on the top of the valve to push so the, the valve open. The, the rocker pulls the valve back out. There's two rockers. There's yeah. a there's a there's one rocker that's like a finger, or a finger follower, they call it, Yep. Um, yep. that pushes the valve open, and then they have a, a V1 that hooks under the valve, and it closes it, so there's yep. no valve spring. Okay, yeah. And and there's two lobes on the cam for each valve. One's an opening lobe and one's a closing lobe. So and, hey, now the, so we got we got a couple of mechanics going now. So some people might be like, what the fuck are these guys talking about? But just listen, you might learn something. So if if that valve's getting pulled, does it still have a tapered seat, like a normal tapered yep, seat on the hundred percent. Yep. Geez, that, that sort of blows me away that it's yeah, the, so the, the the adjustment on that must be really fucking perfect to not be you know so i can i can imagine that 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 adjustment gets out and it's just ripping the heads off valves yeah well the problem is is it you have valve clearance which normally all you're setting is the clearance between the tip of the valve and the opening the finger follower that's opening it but now you have valve clearance you need to set on the closing yeah uh, arm as well so you have two valve clearances to check on each valve and there's a spec and it's even tighter like you say on those two so Mm. um what i was about to get into with my rant here is that there's no question performance wise that the desmodromic valve train system is more efficient than a spring type valve or using a mechanical coil spring to close the valve yeah what you can do now is rev this engine higher because the chance of valve float where the cam yeah. has pushed the valve open and as the cam goes to allow the valve to close sometimes the the cam will travel away from the valve faster than the valve can stay attached can to the cam yeah. yeah so then you get what's called valve float where the valve's just kind of floating in thin air nothing's touching She's it get, and she starts to get all fluffy and yeah but but then instead of following a nice the the ramp or the closing profile of the camshaft instead of closing the valve in a nice controlled manner mm. it's just the spring snapping the valve shut as fast as it can and when it hits the seat it usually bounces open again yeah and so with the desmodromic valve train system it can't happen that valve is being closed in a controlled manner with that rocker arm and it's being opened in a controlled manner so that valve it's always being controlled in every state of its travel so it doesn't matter like you can rev it as high as you want mm. you'll never get valve float so that's where we see on the moto gp circuit that they the ducatis have 17 18 000 rpm rev ceilings yeah so yeah. 
I'm not arguing that fact at all. That that's science. That's it's happening. Like this yeah. is going to bump the rev ceiling of a 450 motocrosser significantly higher than what we currently have. Can, but, I can say I can say benefit 250 benefits more than you. anything. So when's the last like, time 450 is already fast enough? You know, like, you know, but the two 250 250 benefits. It, that's a, yeah, huge. Well, Chad from XPR put a post up with the thing, and I made a comment on his post about when's the last time you heard a guy riding a 450 going, fuck, I wish this thing just revved like 4,000 RPM higher. Mm. Right? Like, yeah, you no, don't need it. Yeah. But on a 250, I think it's totally valid. Because Ducati are, are coming in with a 450, aren't they? Yes. Yeah, whereas Triumph are coming in with a 250, which mm -hmm. is funny. It, it made me laugh. Um that Ducati coming in with a 450, it's it's so Italian. It's such an Italian thing to do. Like my Big my balls. best mates, my best mates are Italian boys, and yep. and, and I love the I love Italian culture, and oh um, yeah, it, it makes me laugh so much. Like everything, it, it it's all bigger, bravado, faster, flasher better like it's all like there's no like you know like my best mate my best mate went from a from an 80 as a as a kid that his dad had and, and then as soon as he was an adult he bought a 650 you know it was like <laughs> fuck all that stuff in between like you know he went from a kx80 and then when it was he was first bike as an adult he's like he went and bought a klx 650 i don't know if you remember those fucking mm -hmm. tanks but yeah that's that was his bike. So good. You know, and it's all like um, you know, all the Italian boys, they're they're all like, you know, the biggest, fastest, you know, it's just that yep. you know, that mentality it makes. Big so it made me dick. like such an Italian thing to do for the you yep. know, just like, well, fuck, we're not fucking around with two fifties here, you know. That's all we're just going straight <laughs> to the big stuff. Yeah, yep. it's awesome. I mean, yeah. but here's the thing though, they're claiming with race exhaust, 85 horse. Yeah, which is that's that's a thing that the 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 road rate that great for road racing more power, but yeah, totally four fifties. They don't need more power. They need, you know, like um, you would have heard about um, Kiefer Road um, Jets bike. Yep, which won everything this year, and it was like really smooth. It was. Obviously, fast as fuck because all the 450s are fast as fuck, and those Hondas are yep. an animal. But it yep. was like it was there was nothing. There was no, you know, it was really manageable power for for a 450, you know, and like um, um, yeah. Well, Kiefer again rode Kenny's bike recently, and Kenny he said the same thing about Kenny's bike, you know. Um, it was um, yeah, pretty pretty sort of manageable, so. You know, probably the only one out there that's um, that's like, give me all the power. Probably, probably someone like Barsha is probably like, yeah, just give me all the power. <laughs> right? Give me those revs. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but for most of them, and you know, that's the absolute best in the world. So we don't need more power out of a 450. But you know, unless uh, I guess um, around um, maybe super deep, like um, what's the Belgian? Oh, Lommel. Yes. Maybe in a deep Lommel, that might 100%. be an advantage. It's something like that because you just, the power sapping of, of a track like that is massive. 
and the elite oh, yeah, level yeah. rider, like you say, a Barsha or somebody who can actually screw it to the stop and hold it there. Yeah. But it might, it'll be an animal. It'll be a desert. It'll be a desert racing animal if it's, uh, you know, like our, our races like Fink and Hatter over here. Like that's which that's all stuff where Toby Price cut his teeth before he got into the rally bikes. Yeah. 100%. It'll be an animal in, in that because they do, they do have like a, um, 450s and 500s like on the on the limiter for yep for like you know there's a Days. video out there somewhere <laughs> of, of pricey uh pre-running think and he's on a um on a five a kdm 500 obviously tweaked to all hell geared up to all hell and you know they're probably i don't know what do they do they'd be or well, in in your in your speak or you can you can I'm saying you know, you're, you're, you, know you know metric, but you yeah. know they're they're probably doing 170. So what's that 105 mm -hmm. mile an hour or something? Um, yep. And there's a video out there uh, of uh, of Pricey on the limiter in top, and I think it goes for a full minute uh, at the at, at Fink. And um, yeah, you, you'd be able to find it easy enough if you wanted to see it. It's just like. The shit's just blur. It's just blurring past, you know. That poor I engine. When he, I remember when he first posted it, and some dumbass is like, "Oh, that's obviously fake." You know, that's definitely not real. You know, <laughs> you can tell that that's just been fake sped up and all that sort of thing. It was like, "Oh no, that's what this guy does." So, yeah, that's because they can't but, see the size of his balls swinging oh, underneath. Man. I don't know how. I don't know how he gets any fucking pants to fit that guy. Like, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, he is, uh, you know, like I, I put Pricey, as much as I'm a huge um, a motocross fan, I love the off-road racing as well. But off-road's just not accessible to watch, you know? No. Um, no. But as far as Aussie legends on two wheels, like Pricey, he, he's the fucking top for me and from for a lot of people. Like above the road race guys, above Chad, um, all that, like, yeah, Toby is is the fucking man, you know. <laughs> and I think his personality also, um, yeah, a lot comes from that too. So, well, back to what you asked Ben about uh, if you're going on a road trip and picking three mates to bring with you, right? Yeah, yeah. You guys both said price, or he'd be one of the boys yeah, to bring yeah. with you. So, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he he's it for us. Like in Australia, in Australia, if you're talking um, Aussies, yeah, like yeah. Absolutely. Like I know I've been asked the Mount Rushmore question, you know, the old Mount yeah. Rushmore question of Aussie Moto before. And it's really fucking hard to pick the fourth guy. Um, but I said, look, because Toby grew up racing moto, like Toby's, I think he was a national champion in junior classes. Yep. And actually, I've got a magazine over in my collection here somewhere, and there, there's um the cover, there's it says something like Toby Price. Where did he come from? And it's when he first turned up to race off road and just fucking waxed everybody. So um, yeah, when he when he made the transition, but um, but I said you know he started in moto, so he you know there's him, um, him and then uh, uh, Chad, and this was a while ago. This was before Jet was doing you know Jet things and that and that now. And um, I think I said. Um, I think I said Medi, and then the fourth one was really hard, and there was a bit of a discussion on that. They sort of throw a blanket over a few. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, nah, he's definitely a, uh, a an absolute legend. He, Where he grew up too, like, 
you know, when when you guys um when people think of like um the Aussie outback, the classic Aussie outback, like in the picture in the corner of me, <laughs> me uh, yeah. But actually, of what this guy made, down yeah. up design, he's the man. Down up design, um, Kurt Evans. He did the cartoons for me logo. He's the man. And he just sent me a heap of cool stickers and merch and all this sort of stuff. Shout out to him. Um, yeah. That sort of desert scene, that's where Toby grew up, a place called Hillston, which is like if you leave from, from where I live. So I sort of live right in the middle of all different landscapes. So basically if you head sort of straight um, northwest from me, you're into the red sand and then it doesn't fucking stop. <laughs> so it doesn't stop for you could drive for days and you're still in red sand, you know? Um, yep. And yeah, so he, he lives up, um, up into this in basically in the New South Wales outback where he, where he grew up up there. And um, you know, like there's even a, there's a, there's a supermarket up there in a, in a town just South of his town. There's a supermarket up there. That's got a Toby price winning, think rally bike Sweet. Up, mounted up above the produce section so you got your fucking yogurt and your cheese and all that <laughs> and then toby price's bike's fucking sitting up there it's that's awesome. awesome the guy that owns yeah. it is a cool cat he's a super moto freak so yeah yeah that's so rad when people <laughs> cool. are so passionate about riding that are involved in different industries like that like own grocery stores or own hotel chains yeah. or something like that and then you just get that sprinkle of moto mixed in there it's pretty sweet yeah, well, this guy's actually got all these, uh, well, not at all, because he's got, he told me once how many he had, but he's got um, a heap of vintage bikes, his vintage bull tacos and stuff mounted up in on display in his supermarket. And um, he, uh, you guys call him a supermarket, grocery store, yep. you know, whatever. Yep. Yeah. Supermarket. Um, but yeah, and right at the front of the produce aisle, there is this fucking Toby's bike on display. It's so good. So, so cool. How many bikes do you have in your garage right now? Me, um, I normally I wouldn't be able to, I wouldn't know, but I I was asked this recently, <laughs> and I I did a count up, so yeah. including like ones that are completely apart and have been apart for years, there's ten at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, ones that I could um, start and ride like right now. Um, uh four yeah and uh two vintage bikes that are a fair way into restoration mm -hmm. and then the others um yeah torn to bits or not even started to work on you know so i've i've rescued a few bikes here and there whereas like, i felt sorry for them you know i'll do that sometimes <laughs> it's like it's like i feel, I feel like um taking like, in stray uh, dogs exactly That's, yeah. <laughs> it's like I, I mean i i brought a, a i um i don't i don't even know why but uh, my local dealer had a uh, an x an old xr250 traded in and um i don't really have sort of any interest in in that but he said look this thing's so bad and he goes you can have it and he gave me like a ridiculously cheap price and he goes I just want it to go to someone that'll, you know, give it some love. And I was like, all right, fuck it. What year is it? Uh, it's a 2001. And, oh, uh, it's a newer so, one. So, yeah, yeah. It's one of the sort of that 
that same red red look one that they, they were right till they disappeared yep. and the CRF 250X took over. Yeah. And um, I brought it home and, yeah, I've got pictures of the sprockets and the air filter and stuff and it's just like the air filter was just one of them ones where it just like just disintegrated mm -hmm. in your hand. Yep. And the sprocket teeth are like all just like <laughs> – the full fucking hook, man, you know, it's like, <laughs> and all that. And it's just, uh, it's not even started. It's just sitting there. It's like, it's about fourth or fifth down the list. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. That, and that's a passion, you know, but it's, it, it's extremely time consuming and it's fucking expensive doing it's therapy um, motocross bikes. Yeah. But that's my holiday, man. Like it, it my, if I get a chance, so I really only, get a lot of work done on these bikes when I take some time off at Christmas. So oh, that's one, there's, there's a difference. Aussies tend to, um, I think you got, you guys have a summer break in the middle of the year. Yeah. Yep. Or, or at least your schools do. You, you probably yep. don't have to work through it, but, um, Oh yeah. So we, that, that's Christmas for us. So a lot of, yep. you know, especially people like me that work in trades or construction, as you guys say, um, we'll, we'll basically knock off, um, you know, on on the Christmas Eve or a couple of days earlier, if you're lucky, if you're caught up enough, and then um, we'll take you know two, three, four, whatever you can afford, basically, yeah, um, weeks off, and that'll be sort of our holidays for the year. And yeah, I will uh, once you get all the family Christmas shit down out of the way. I always say Boxing Day is my fucking day, and I'm in yeah. the shed. I'm in the nice. shed. And I'm fucking playing with me bikes, and the, uh, that's it. I'm disappeared into the, into the, into the, uh, into the shed for uh, for a couple of weeks, and just tinker, cold ones. Tinker with the, uh, tinker with the bikes. You just got yeah, Creed man. on ten, right? Some cold beer. <laughs> just you and Scott uh, Stapp. Just make sweet love music, to bikes. There's always music going, man. Yeah, you know Creed yeah. has made made since since um. Since the whole Creed um, thing with the uh, with main event, like yeah, I've got I do have some Creed <laughs> on the Spotify list, you know, which I I never even had that on there when they were new, you know. But uh, I'm not gonna lie, when I have customers in the shop and I got my playlist going, and then some Creed comes on, part of me is a little embarrassed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you got to embrace it. That that's you got yeah, you, you have to. You got to embrace it. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? The funny thing is, man, like I. It's um, I like I, I genuinely do like some of the songs now. Yep. Like you know, I genuinely do like it, and I think like, why did we give them such a fucking hard time back in the day? Why weren't they? Why were they so uncool in their heyday? You know, as a you know, like when you were when you were sort of like I was like a fucking hard rock guy, and and, a, and before that like a grunge guy, and then before well, that again a hard rock guy. And it was like they were just sort of like, oh, I don't know about these guys. Oh, you but, just um, said it, like compared they're to some of fucking, they're actually pretty good. Like, you know, he's a fucking great singer and they're a good band and all that. And it's just, you know, I don't know. But yeah. You but know, compared like, um, to some of the grunge stuff that was out there, some of the Metallica and Soundgarden and some of this, you know what I mean? Hard rock, Godsmack and stuff, like He's just a yeah. big fucking pussy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's... He's, it's Chad Kruger. Like he's the Nickelback yeah, of yeah. the states. Yeah, I've never, but... I, I've, I've never come around to Nickelback. But, no, uh, but yeah, no, nah, definitely. I'm Team Stap. I'm definitely Team Stap. That's it. Yeah. Right, right guys, cool your jets for a bit. We decided to make this a part one, and there'll be a part two 
for the episode with Canada Jeff. Um, we ended up talking a, a, a long time, and uh, yeah, so that'll uh, that'll suit the time frames that I'm hoping to keep these shows to. It was a nice idea by Jeff to uh, he wanted to ask me questions, which we spoke about before the show. Jeff mentioned that um, that uh, there's probably some listeners, or hopefully there is, who know fuck all about me. So he said, you know, I should talk a little bit more about uh, what makes me tick. So hopefully that's not too boring. And uh, obviously, yeah, I also asked Jeff, as you've heard, I'll ask Jeff uh, you know, questions about what he's up to. Um, so hold tight and there will be a, uh, a part two coming soon. Cheers. Jeff, what river is this? Ah, uh, that's the Mississippi, the mighty Mississippi. <laughs> the old miss, the old man.